0: Shabbat tov, Shalom Aleichem to all of you listeners of this great station. This is Rabbi Elvaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about Parashat Shemini. The beginning of the Parashat, Vayhi Bayom Hashemini. It was the eighth day. What does that mean, the eighth day? The eighth day of what? Well, the seven days before that, Moshe Rabenu was training Aharon al-Kohen and his four sons about the avoda and the Mishkan, the worshipping, the sacrifices, how to do the Korbanot. And he was training them for seven days. On the eighth day, Sherebun now stopped. And everything was taken over by Aharon al-Kohen and his sons, the Kohanim. Because now this is going to be forever now permanently the kohanim are going to be taking over the service all the avodah in the mishkan so that was really a very special day a day that was going to bring great joy and satisfaction to klalisat in fact as great a joy as in the day of creation because i am not for the first time He's doing the service in the Mishka. Everyone, all the 600,000 adults that were there with their families, they were about to see a miracle happening. They were about to witness a miracle. What miracle? The Borea Onam will be sending a fire from heaven to the Mizbeach. In order to burn the sacrifice. The Qurban. That was something unbelievable. For the first time. Fire is going to come from heaven. And obviously we don't want to do anything. That will even spoil a little bit. This miracle. Yet on that very day. In the midst of the excitement and jubilation everything stopped and a tragedy happened. Two sons of Aharon, Nadab Abihu, great Sadiqim, equal to all the seventy zekinim, they were killed. Why? They interfered somewhat with the miracle. They brought in a strange fire. And as the Torah says, share, Lo siva Hashem, a fire that was not commanded by Hashem. Hashem did not instruct them to bring that fire, and they did not that it was something terrible, but it was not commanded. All of a sudden, joy turned into grief, jubilation turned into crying. As the Pasuk says. Everyone was crying. Now, you like the question, what is here the great sin? What's, what is the big avla that his two sons have done? What's, what's the big avon here? And he and deserved such swift... Punishment, execution. Also, we know, Yakar be'ene Hashem, Hasidar is really painful to Akadoshuvaru when his siddikim are gone. So, how do we understand this this harsh punishment that they got? You know that between Pesach and Shavuot, we read what we call Pirkei Avot. What it, it talks about uh, behavior, the midot of a person, how to improve our midot in order to be ready in the six weeks between Pesach and Shavuot. We want to be ready to accept the Torah on Shavuot. The very first passage says the following Moshe, Kibel Torah Misinai, Umsara. Joshua. Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah and he transmitted it to Yoshua and then Yoshua to the Zekinim, to the elders, and so on down the line through the rabbis throughout the thousands of years all the way down to us. But you notice the word umsara Yoshua, it doesn't say untana, he gave it. No, this is a masoret. The difference is, you know, it's like a heirloom. If your great grandfather passed on, and he left a beautiful diamond, something very expensive, to your grandparents, to your grandpa, to your parents, to you, then down the line, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to change anything in it. Once you change it, it's not anymore what it is. This is the way with the Torah, Masoret, meaning. Um, Whatever he received, he was giving over. Now, it's possible that Yeshua did not get everything that Moshe Rabbeinu gave, but Moshe Rabbeinu, the idea is the teacher is transmitting over whatever he received with no change in it. That's called Masoret. We must follow the instructions as it is in the Torah, as interpreted by our Hachamim. Masoret is really of enormous importance in our religion. And especially in the Beit HaMikdash. In the Beit HaMikdash or Mishkan, it's the same thing. There is no leeway in changing the Masoret as it was received by Moshe Rabbeinu. Cannot be, there's no leeway. Cannot check, cannot bend the rule or twist a little bit. It can't do, it. Not, not in the Beit HaMikdash. He said, the, the, uh, the, the Kohanim, in those days they were the teachers really. And as she says, It, it, it was incumbent upon them to keep. Very well, the Da'at of the Torah. Why? Because the Torah the people are going to ask him, to ask them, as it says, we're talking about the Kohanim, they're supposed to be uh, instructing the people. Then it says at the end, is Malach Hashem? Or is it Malach Hashem? A kohen is a malach. A kohen is a human being. It's not a malach. Now, the radak says a pshat. He says, Malach Hashem, shaliyah, hakelit barach. He's the agent in this world of HaKadosh Baruch. He's the agent. The al who are in heaven, but this is, the malach also could mean a shaliyah. An agent. Is the agent here in this world. And he represents Akkadushwar. This is what Adak says. But at the same time, I perhaps I can inject something else. A malach is the person that Hashem gives an instruction to, and he goes straight at it. No deviation, right or left, no questions asked. And Malach does exactly what Hashem says. But the Kohen and the Beit HaMikdash was the same way. No such thing in the Beit HaMikdash. Oh, you know, my Min Hag is like this. No, my Min Hag is like that. No, there's no such thing. There are specific rules and they must be executed exactly, precisely as they've been. Cannot be changed. So, here, there was a, a miracle that was happening, and there was no there, there was no command for Nadav and Hu to bring anything from outside, a a a, a a a foreign fire can't do that. They did. Unfortunately, Hashem had to set some kind of a precedent. Is the precedent? But when it comes to Rabbi Mikdash, you can't do anything. You cannot change. But it's a lesson for us forever too. We cannot change the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. We cannot change the Torah as instructing, that was instructed to us from our Hachamim. And here's a point in question. We are now in the middle of the Sefirah. When did we start the counting of the Sefirah? We started on the second day of Pesach, or the second night of Pesach, which is the first night of Hulamu'ad in Eretz Israel. Now, why do we start on that second night, counting the Omer? Because the Torah says, Shabbat. That's what the Torah says. From the day after the Shabbat. What does Shabbat mean here? And these two words really produced tremendous controversy between the Hachamim and people that did not want to follow the instructions of the Hachamim. They were called Tzdukim at the time. Tzdukim. They said, okay, We only follow what is written in the Torah. What's written? That's it. So the I say, "Maharat Shabbat means, the word to them, Shabbat, only means Shabbat, Saturday. They're wrong. Because if it was plain Saturday, then which which Shabbat is it? Shabbat before, in the middle, after? There's no way of knowing. It's going to be different all the time. But our hachamim have accepted the Kabbalah that the word Shabbat here means a day of rest. And Shabbat means a day of rest. So, Mimahurata Shabbat means from the, the day after the first day of rest, which is the first day of Pesach. But this tremendous controversy between them. And because of that, those of you who have learned Masichit Minahot, There is a Mishnah over there that says that the second night of Fesach, which is that's the time we start counting, the Bedin, the agents of the Bedin would go to the fields in order to cut the barley, stalks of barley from the ground and they would use the barley the next day to bring a Minha to bring an offering, a mincha offering. Now, the, it's, the Omer, I mean, this this, this is a mitzvah. This mincha is a mitzvah. Well, it's a mitzvah like any other mitzvah, right? Uh, tefillin is a mitzvah. Sukkah is a mitzvah. But this mitzvah was done differently. How? The hachamim at the time insisted that all the people in the surrounding villages would come and see with their own eyes, and they would witness that the second night of Pesah, they're cutting the barley in order to bring them in the next day, the Omer, and that's when they start counting. The Hachamim insisted, and there's thousands of people there watching. And then the the, the shalia says, okay, is it uh, it sunset now? Yes, everybody screams, yes. Am I going to use this Magal, this sickle? Yes, and so on and so forth. Even if it's Shabbat, and you cut it, doesn't matter. Yes, you do it. What's all this tumult? Why all this display? What for? This show. And the Mishnah says, in order to show to the people that the Tzadokim are wrong. In order to tell the people to be same to publicize that the offering of the Omer is the second day of Pesah, Mimahorat Shabbat means exactly what it is, the second day of pesah And that's the time we start counting the Omer. We have to be careful about the Masoret. Is why nowadays there are also we, we have lots of new theories, new inventions, new kinds of things, new movements, Yeah, conservative movement, reform movement. We can't. These people are injecting foreign ideas into the Torah. We can't possibly follow them. We have to be very careful to follow the pure Torah. The Torah is like the Minoran, you know. The Minoran has oil. The oil has to be pure. The purest there is. If there's any sediment in the oil, forget it. Can't use it. The Torah is the same way. It'll be pure. Any sediment in there, any foreign ideas that don't agree with our hakhamim, we don't use it. That's it. Out. And we see again the question of Masoret later on, in the Parasha, when we talk about the Machalot uh, Asurot, forbidden foods. The the Torah basically, uh, in, in in a few words, uh, tells us about four different types of creatures, and what what how which we can eat, which we cannot eat. Uh, for the for the animals, the big animals. You know, like sheep, ox, those like that. The Torah gives us actual simanim. It does. It has to uh, chew its cud. It has to, one siman. It has to have split hooves. Two simanim. Any animal that has two simanim, like that, it should be okay. For the fish, also it gives us two simanim. It has to have scales and fins, although the hachamim say, if you have a piece of fish, not a complete fish, but it has scales in it, you can assume that that fish also had fins, and it's okay. Now, when it comes to birds and to insects, it's different. With the birds, it tells us 20, it lists 20 species of birds that are not kosher. It tame, cannot eat them. What does this imply? It would imply that anything that is not part of those 20 should be kasher, right? Unfortunately, we don't go that way. Why? Because here we need what we call a Masoret. We don't know which uh, species are exactly those 20. Perhaps we know a couple of them. Few of them maybe, but we don't know all of them. And therefore, not, not that we don't know, then we we, we had to assume that, hey, we can't just eat anything because maybe it is one of those 20. We only eat the ones that we have in Masoret that you can eat. And we eat chicken, we eat duck, we, we, uh, we eat turkey. These are the, the kind of birds we eat pigeons, doves. That's what we eat. Why? Because there has been a non interrupted, non interrupted tradition throughout thousands of years, we can eat them. Now we come to insects, you know something? All insects, we cannot eat them. Asur, forbidden, forbidden foods. Yet, the Torah mentions four types of grasshoppers that we can eat. It mentions in the Torah. Can we eat them? Not really. Why? But we don't know. We don't have a Masoret. The Masoret is very important. If we don't have an uninterrupted tradition that this is is okay, then we don't need it. Now, on the big animals, we have Simanim. If you have Simanim, it's different. It means that it's okay. So there's been a big talk about, for example, the Giraffe. Interesting, very interesting topic. The giraffe. The giraffe has a simonim, it has split hoofs, and it has, uh, it it ruminates, it it chews its cut. So, halakhically speaking, it should be okay. Well, there's been differences of opinion about is it okay, it's not okay, but there are some authorities, some opinions that really it's So Why don't we eat it? Well, <laughs> I'd like you to try to uh, uh, shecht a, uh, uh, a, a giraffe. A giraffe is a very heavy animal. Uh, with a, one kick of a giraffe can kill a lion, number one. Meat of a giraffe, very tough. Nobody wants it. Even Gentiles, they don't eat it. It's not something they can market and no, but, but one thing that really uh, a misconception, people think, oh, we don't know where to shaft it. what that's not that's not that's not correct. Uh, a pigeon has two inches in a neck to shaft. A cow maybe twelve inches. A giraffe has six feet. Whatever you can shaft it, you shaft it, Have a neck, it you shaft it. That's not the reason. Reason A, perhaps we don't have a, a, a complete Masoret, true, but it has Simanim. In this case, the Torah is telling us to rely on the Simanim. That there is an opinion of Saadia Gaon, for example, that says that they, in, in uh, later on in Sefer de Barim, it tells the Simanim, but also it tells us about 10, it mentions 10 species that are kosher animals. One of them is zimmer, And it looks like uh, Rav Sa'diag Gaon said that the Zemr, to him, was a giraffe. So, uh, we, we have to always be objective about what the Torah says. Not inject anything from ourselves. Torah gives us Simanim in one case and it gives us a Masoret in the other case. But the main thing is we have to always stick to the Masoret. In the case of the forbidden foods, now many people say, oh, you know why you don't eat the pig? Oh, it's not healthy. It's not true. That's not the reason. We see Gentiles eat pig. First of all, the reason we don't eat it is because it's a hog, Like the Paraduma, no logic to it. Shatnez. It's a hulk. Hashem said you can't eat it, number one. And secondly, it says later on in the parashah that one of the ways that you elevate elevate holiness to increase kedusha in a person is to stay away from forbidden foods. Forbidden foods may not be bad for our health, but they are poison. For our Nishama. We're talking about spiritually speaking now. They are poison. And we can't have them. Hashem said. You can't have it. It's a chok. It's a gezerah. We don't. Another reason. Yeah. It increases the holiness. And it says over there. Hama aleh. Uh, and כי אני אַשְׁמַע הַמַּעֲלֵי אֲדְמִי. And Rashi says, "Al menat sh'tekabelu mitzvotai, he'ali etchem." I'm, I'm like uh, raising you. I'm raising you in kedusha. Everywhere it says, Bikulan ketiv yotzeti." Everywhere it says, "Ani Hashem, Hashem hotzeti etchem." Took you out here, a maale. Here we're talking about machalot asurot, a maale etchem, increasing the kedusha. And that's the important thing over here. A Chok and the Kedusha. And we cannot inject anything of our own. It has to be everything all the way, all the way from Moshe Rabbeinu down the line until us. This is why, rabbutai we have to be very, very careful. Especially when it comes to certain things that Uh, some people say, you know what? I can bend the rules a little bit over here. I bend the rules over there. You know, I'm going to go to a restaurant. And it's going to be, I'm out of town. Nobody sees me. Who sees you? Yeah, but I'm not going to eat meat. I'm going to eat fish. doesn't make sense. The whole place is non-kosher. How can you eat fish? All the fish is kosher. What do you mean? So What? What about everything else? What about the pots that they cook in it? What about the silverware? What are the dishes they give you? Everything, if it doesn't have a complete, proper ashgahan, you cannot walk in there. Now, I'm saying this because I know for a fact that there are people who just to say, what well, they say, well, you know, uh, it's okay, uh, this is only, you know, I don't eat meat, you know, I don't eat chicken, I don't eat this, I don't eat that, but this, has It's the wrong thing. Be careful. Follow the Masoret, follow the instructions of our hachamim. That's the only way we can all live as Jews. And remember, the Mahalot Asorot, the forbidden foods, have kept us separate from the Guim for thousands of years, so we really have to thank the Torah for that. For that, for that alone, it's a big deal. So here I've that we should always keep the Masoret alive at all times. Teach our children only the Masoret. Send them to Yeshivot where they teach them only the Masoret, and by that Hashem will be to have Mashiach Tzitkanu Khamenei Kame- I want to remind you, Rabbi Boutaidis, by this great station, and uh, uh, if you can help, please, this station lives only on contributions, voluntary contributions. If you have any simha also, please contact us at SLC. We'll be able to accommodate you. Shalom alechem, Shavua Tov.